Welcome to the Working Mom's Guide to Sanity podcast, your go-to resource for support, advice, and inspiration as you navigate the challenges of balancing your ambitious career dreams and your family. Each week, I'll bring you interviews with powerhouse working moms who'll share their insights on how they manage to find sanity while juggling their demanding jobs and kids. I'm your coach, Elizabeth Pearson. I'm an executive coach for women in male-dominated fields, and boy, have I heard it all. I've experienced a lot. I'm a mother of two young girls, and the women that I interview somehow built these businesses, climbed the ranks of corporate America, and followed their dreams all while being a mother and clinging to their sanity. And you can do it too. Each week, I'll show you how. Welcome to the show. I'm your coach, Elizabeth Pearson, and today's guest is Erica Spiegelman. She's the best-selling author of a bunch of books. There's a whole series of them called Rewired. She also wrote 101 Affirmations for Addiction and Recovery. She's also a counselor and she's a speaker. And while our chat was a little bit about addiction and how to overcome addictions, what I loved about it was that she really gave all sorts of little tools and tricks to help rewire your brain. So settle in and enjoy because she's got all sorts of insights to share. Erica, thank you so much for coming today. I have been really looking forward to our conversation. I did a deep dive in all of your profiles, but specifically your Instagram. And one thing that I want to be sure we talk about at some point today is this idea of healthy solitude, because I feel like for moms, that can be a total catch-22, right? It's like any kind of solitude will sometimes trigger mom guilt. And then we're talking about like, what is healthy? Is there non-healthy solitude? So thank you so much for being a guest today. I'm really excited to dive in. And I also want to talk about not only all of your rewired bar- your rewired books, but your 101 Affirmations for Addiction and Recovery. So thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Yeah. So, so for- excited to connect. Yeah. Yeah. So for our moms who are listening and everybody who's listening, can you give us just kind of like a brief nutshell of what you experienced or what was the moment that got you to this place of like, this is going to be my purpose in life. I need to write these books and I need to raise awareness and give people tools. Yeah. So um, I got sober myself just to quickly get right at 27 years old. I'm 43 now. So it's been 15 years. uh, Almost. I was. Yeah. So it changed my life when I made the decision to stop betraying myself. You know, for me, alcohol was something where I just, I drank, it was normal in college. I mean, I went to big party school. It was like, it seemed pretty normalized. And then, you know, for me, I think genetically and just, you know, biologically, it, it, alcohol for me makes me react in really unhealthy ways. You know, like yeah. I felt shaky every day. It, it just physically, there was, there was such a, and notice so many noticeable negative consequences that thank God almost like I'm always like, thank God there's so many negative consequences immediately yeah. at young age because it forced me to really look at my life and say, like, this is not meant for me. And, you know, I changed my life right then and there. So but I did get help. I went to treatment, got help. And then I went back to school at UCLA and I got my license as an addiction counselor and learned about the brain and learned about how, you know, thought habits are created. And I mean, from everything from pharma- pharmaceuticals to, every, you know, we learned about it all and then family yeah. therapy and all these things. So and then I started working at different treatment centers in Los Angeles and was a clinician, many well-known centers for many years teaching. And then I started a private practice. And then right when all this was beginning, I, I, when I was working at a big treatment center, there was not a lot of literature out there that supported the person as an individual that really yeah. taught people how to like recover and be proud and feel empowered and lead with authenticity and like learn how to have good boundaries and communication. It was, it seemed to me, it was, um, 
one program and one program only. Right. So, yeah. So for me, I, you know, I put myself on this rewired plan. Like when I, I did it myself, I went to bed at the, at the same time I got up, I started running every day. I started eating well and I started, you know, listening to podcasts, reading books on Thich Nhat Hanh and Buddhism and stuff. Yeah. You know, really started to feed myself everything I needed for that I was lacking for all those years. And I just thrived. And I know this was all meant to be like in my life plan. I know this was all like my experience with alcohol and the negative experience I did have with it. I know that was meant to be so that I could help others and I could relate to others, you know. And so I'm very happy about my path. And when I was working at the center, I was I I was a literature major in college. I was always a writer. That was I got to be literature. And so I started at the the centers doing groups every day. And there was the same 30 people there for 90 days. So I had to have new material. So long story short, I had a binder of of like 100 groups that I created. And each group, let's say a group on on healthy solitude, a group on healthy communication, a group on family systems, a group on this, there were two or three pages. And I was like, this this is my book. Like this is, yeah. this is, and I was only teaching things that had helped me and helped my clients at the time. So the feedback was great because I was working in real time, you know, with yeah. clients. And so rewired came because I was like, that's what happened to me. I just rewired my yeah. path, my pathways, you know, from bad habits to good habits. And, you know. Yeah. And I think so- there's a lot of conflicting information out there, Erica, about like, can you rewire something, right? Is it just genetics? There's a lot of things now. I think I Heard somebody on a podcast saying like, oh, don't even bother exercising or what you eat. Like you're just predispositioned to be a certain weight. I'm like, what the fuck is this person saying? Like, don't tell people that. I think that I agree. I think like I'm a big fan of like Dr. Joe Dispenza. Like I think that you can rewire your brain. But for you, was it something that was gradual or did the urgency really make this radical shift for you where it was like, okay, I'm not going to have this coping mechanism that I had for years that was toxic for me. So now I need to fill the toolbox, if you will, of other things that can yeah. keep me in a high vibration. It was pretty, it was pretty fast. I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, within the year, I mean, I still felt fresh after you just a year being sober, but I really felt like these were non-negotiables for me. Like I tell my clients now, we have to create non-negotiables when we start to change our lives. Routines and discipline are everything, really. Yeah. We, we cannot change anything. And no, we're never stuck. Like, you know, our brains can change it any day. Like literally when we choose, right. I mean, it doesn't even take that long. I mean, five minutes, like as we know this, like five minutes of reading, you feel like, oh, I'm reading again or, you know, yeah. honestly, it's, it doesn't take that much. It's just starting and it's and it's also committing in, in your heart and having that accountability. Like if you really want to do something, let's do it. Let's be excited about it. Let's be proud about it. I think so many times people are fearful and that fear, yeah. you know, like you're saying, the narratives. Like, right. I can't do that. I've always been heavy. I can't ever lose weight. I can't do blah, 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 blah. And these are just, these are just outdated narratives that don't serve us, you know, on so many levels. I mean, this it, not only with addiction and recovery, but just being a mom, being a, a partner, being, yeah. we have these, you know, being a woman. We have so many narratives on what it is to be a woman. And we really have to take a deep dive and look into like, where did those come from? You know, from our, the religion we grew up in, the culture, the family, the like, you know, yeah. It, all, it all has an impact on our thoughts and yeah. our thoughts what leads us to take action in certain ways when we're not happy or when we don't know how to cope. We, so again, this is all yeah. connected. It's right. Pretty, yeah. I agree with those thoughts too. A lot of it I do agree is conditioning. Um, and, but not only that, I try to explain to clients too. And I try, always try to remind myself, maybe it's an affirmation I tell myself too, like my soul messages are the ones that feel good. My soul has 
no benefit to shit talking me. Right. So like those voices that are coming through as negative or their doubt or their fear, that is not you. That is not your soul. Your soul has a vested interest in experiencing amazing epic shit here. And it knows that that is going to be the obstacle to that epic shit. So like that's I think because I think a lot of people can get confused on how to discern which voice is the soul which voice is really for your highest good because they can think yeah. the fear is trying to protect them. Maybe this is my gut saying, yeah, this is a bad idea to go take this new job in a new city. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah. And so can the affirmations kind of help drown out that non-soul voice who's getting a say in things? Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I think for me, you know, why I wanted to write this book of affirmations was because it was like the one thing that really, I think when you said, did this happen fast? It helped change me fast. You know, I was, yeah. I had someone tell me a story about about the, they were like on the phone with their grandmother. Their grandmother put the phone down for a minute and the the, the, the granddaughter was like listening. And the granddaughter, the grandmother was going to get a piece of paper to give her a phone number. And she was saying like the grandmother, it's OK, Dolly, baby, take your time. It's OK. We're fine. Da, da, da. Yeah. And she got back. And she goes, Grandma, who's there? I didn't know anyone was there. She goes, no, I'm just talking to my leg because my leg's been giving me trouble. And like she was talking to herself in such a loving way. And I don't know why that boy just resonated with me that like that's how we we need to begin to speak to ourselves. We have to become our own champions, our own cheerleaders. And so I did. So I started like when I was starting to run in the mornings, I ran like two blocks to start. Then yeah. a half a mile, then a mile. And I was like, you got it, baby. You are strong. You are. And I never talked to myself like this before, but I was like, fuck that. I am done betraying myself. I am yeah. done you know, like just giving myself scraps, I am done, you know? And so I was like, that's it. And so I started to really talk to myself like I'm my own favorite person and it really helped. And that's that's where the affirmations came in was like, I remember I after years, I, I did like a half marathon of, of, after years of just running for fun and just for health. And then I remember that last mile, I was like, you got this, you're strong, you're so, you know? And I was talking right. to myself after that, I was like, this is years of building that, you know, like yeah. this is what has helped me really recover on not cover from alcohol. That's like nothing that's recover in, in terms of self-love, like just giving myself the love that I deserve and need. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to write the book. Yeah, and, I think that's spot, you know, right. And I think it's important for us to do this for ourselves, to fight for ourselves because our kids are watching. I mean, this is yeah. the thing, like we're not getting away with anything every time. We pause before we eat something every time we negatively glance down at our thigh. For me, my trigger is when I'm driving and, you know, like especially in shorts, right? And your thigh kind of spreads or whatever. I don't know if I have like a memory of my mom, right? I don't know what it was, but I was like, um, I'll always look down and then I'll always want to make a comment of like, oh God, you know, or whatever. And I try to just, number one, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, right? Like just try to stop the verbal harassment that you're giving yourself. But I also think to your point, Erica, it's like the more we start embracing this practice of affirming to ourselves positive things, the more we can help our kids learn this at an early age. I mean, could you imagine if we knew this shit when we were like young? Like I always tell my girl, we're on a walk and somebody's complaining. I'm like, no, we say to ourselves, I have boundless energy. I never get tired. And we just keep saying that on repeat until we're up the hill or whatever. Like we will will ourselves out. But how important do you think that this could be for future generations to kind of embrace some of these these tools? No, no, it's everything. I have a three and a half and four and a half year old right now. And I and I really, you know, I'm trying to teach them, you know, just how to 
to love and take care of themselves. Like just even yeah. saying that, like we we don't hit ourselves. Like my my son got frustrated and he like went like that. And I said, listen, we don't hit ourselves. You love yourself. We you know be kind to yourself. Like it's I know these there's three and four. It's it's hard to get through to them at this point, but I'm trying to you know be aware enough and mindful enough when I see these little moments to to try and read some of this stuff. But yeah, it's everything. You know, when I was younger, my mom came from a different generation. She was 21. What you got? She's 25 when she had me. So she was yeah. still very young. Yeah. But I, and to this day, and I love my mom, and I, but I tell her like this affected me. She was always like, even now she's like, I'm, she's trying to lose weight again. And she's like, uh, I, I, I mean, aren't all of our moms trying to lose weight? By the way, my mom, her entire back. life, entire yeah. life. Yeah. Entire life, entire life has never stopped. Not for a week, you know? And just now she's like, we went out to dinner. She's like to the waiter, I'm trying to eat healthy. I don't, what's, I don't want to eat anything fattening. I go, what are you talking about fattening? Like, you know, yeah. like these words from the 80s, you know, it's like, right. oh God, you know? And so I, I like, I won't allow that word in my house. I'm like, don't yeah. ever You know, I tell right. them that. That I just don't want this like constantly that this being fat, being not fat, being this, being that, the, the, the just constant like, you know, about our physical appearance. It just is really it's detrimental. scrutiny. And I think that's the biggest one, Erica. Like, I think that, you know, a lot of clients I work with, they could have some imposter syndrome, you know, maybe advancing in their career, maybe like starting some entrepreneurial endeavor. But I feel yeah. like the common thread between women and especially moms who have Maybe if you've actually physically carried your children, like oh. it's this just toxic attitude towards our bodies. And like, that's the oh. final frontier of healing, I think, is when you yeah. can really look at your thigh when you're driving and yeah. not have a twinge of like, you know, yeah. Yeah. loathing. I think the thought's always there, but like, I feel like I'm at that point after having the kids, like to have just be more in acceptance. Like I'm not yeah. going to scare myself anymore. I'm not going to like beat myself up anymore. Although... There are plenty of days where I'm like, okay, I don't want to get, you know, right. Y'all still have it. But, I, but I'm saying, I think like using those experiences of, of empowered experiences, like having children, you know, whether you carry them or yeah. you have whatever to, to propel you forward in that way of like, like what, what does this all really matter? Like, you know, does it matter? Like you've right. done such amazing things and you've had these beautiful little miracles and, you know, now you're going to beat yourself up on eating a cracker, like eat the fucking cracker. Like right. keep, keep, here. So I, I am constantly now like I and I tell my clients this, I, I talk to myself all day. And I think that's another yeah. great tool is talking to yourself, talking yeah. to yourself through everything in life. I had a client once I remember years ago, she says to me, what do you mean self-talk? And I'm like, you know, what's the voice in your head? And she just hadn't even been mindful enough to, un, to know what that was. So I had her for like right. a week journal and yeah. she was like, wow, pretty negative. Like I didn't even realize it was going on, you know? So it's again, yeah. it's like bringing the awareness first for some people like you and I seem like we're pretty aware, but some people aren't. And that also is like just really hard when you have kids and you have a job and you have in like, what is going on in your mind? Like right. every, when it comes down to your happiness and your joy and what you impart on your family, it all is up here. Yeah. Like literally everything. Totally everything. agree. So, so I have to ask you, Erica, yeah. since you're like the affirmation expert here too, on like rewiring our brain, if we're doing all the good stuff, we're drinking the water, we're going on walks, we're affirming, but then mm -hmm. we're spending four hours a day on social media and we're following some people that make us feel not great about ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that going to counterbalance all of this work that we're doing? Like what, what role do you see social media playing and maybe this counterpoint to these affirmations. Well, it's a great question. So I have a book called The Rewired Life, which is for the general public. And I, there's a whole chapter on technology. So I did like, a, a, I, I did a lot of research on it. And I 
the chapter subtitled The Good, The Bad and Ugly, because that's really what it is. It's super detrimental. Like, again, like you said, I've I worked with so many teenagers that all they I mean, it's a really bad this generation. It's It's been really just the anxiety and depression that comes from the comparison that just co- yeah. constantly in, in comparison to other peers and celebrities and influencers and all these people that you're following. I definitely tell, you know, parents to be careful and make sure they're really watching what their kids are ingesting, but also for yourself too, just don't, don't, if you get anxiety, a tinge of anxiety, unfollow the person. You know, I have people put their, there's actually ways to put your apps on a timer. So like if, if you're somebody that does go through the black holes of Instagram for an hour or two hours, put a timer on there. 10 minutes, it'll shut off. My husband has it. Like it, it, it's really easy. And that's an app or it's just a setting on like a traditional iPhone? Setting on your iPhone. It's just a oh, setting on great. your phone. Yeah. I know people don't want to do that though. Like they're going to say, oh yeah, I would do that. Maybe I'll do that for my kid, but I won't do that for me. But I agree. In my book, I have a, a chapter on the brain detox, right? Like we're talking about detoxing and everybody wants to do the next goop thing. And we're doing all of these physical detoxes. And then we're just poisoning our minds following these people. Right. Right. And I, you could say, oh, well, you know, the Kardashians or whatever, they're not making me feel bad about myself. I just like living vicariously through them. No, bitch, it is like, this is not making you feel great about yourself. I guarantee it's not. And I'm guilty of following certain people like that too. These wellness experts who have, you know, 12 packs and they're drinking their green smoothie and God, God bless them. More power to them. That is not the reality for most of us out here who have kids in the other room because they're on summer break and they couldn't get into camp this week. And we're cramming in calls and we're eating, you know, whatever is like left over of their lunch. Like it's just a very different reality. So I think subconsciously it does seep in, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, God bless you. I'm so happy you shared that because it makes me just love you more. It's it's, Yeah, that's what... That's really the reality of all of our lives, you know, that that is the real life. Um, and so when we see what's in front of our phones, that's not nece- that's not real at all, you know, and it's photoshopped yeah. and it's all these things that. But again, it's entertainment. Like I, I, when we use I mean, I remember I used to go before a flight and like I still buy magazines and yeah. we, yeah, it was like magazines. They you know it's escapism and I get it. And people need a little downtime to escape. But again, we have to be again, it comes back down to self-love. We have to love ourselves enough to say, listen, I'm I'm going to go on Instagram for 10 minutes when when it's 12 o'clock and it's time to go eat lunch. I'm putting the fucking shit down and I'm not yeah. picking it up till later, period. Non-negotiable. Like, again, it's just non-negotiables with all these things. Like, I think that's easier for me. It's easier. I do things like that, like where I'm like, OK, I'm going to I have 10 minutes. Yeah, I could probably use this 10 minutes to do push ups. Do I want to know? I'm going to go sit on my bed and I'm going to go through Instagram and maybe post yeah. something look for work messages. And then at 12 o'clock, when it's time for me to go eat my lunch, that's it. I'm putting it down. I'm not picking it back up till after my work day's over. And yeah. I feel better and balanced like that. And I can do that easier than like the timer thing. Like my yeah. husband has, like, I don't want someone to tell me what to do. I want to learn how right. to be a, you know? But I think that's part of it because a lot of women, I don't know about you, and, and we can blame COVID for so many things, but I do feel like it really did just push us into social media because we're craving some sort of connection. But with that, I've noticed even myself being like a little bit more anxious. And I'm like, I don't drink. I don't drink caffeine. I don't like there's all of these things that I've cut out of my life. And yet there's anxiety there. And it's like it's a there It used to be like low grade. And now every once in a while, I'll go a little higher. And it is I feel like the only variable left is the phone. Like it really is. But I know that that is the last thing we want to give up. We just want to sit on the couch at the end of the, you know, a long day with a glass of wine and some housewives while scrolling. Like that is the default for so many 
working moms. Distraction, distraction. You just named three. Right. Not even even like let's sit down and have one distraction. Yeah. So how do we baby step this in for women who are in that place of like, they think that that's self-care, which is the distraction phase. So how do we get into this place of having this other well-established toolbox that we believe and we know and we trust can work for us instead Mm -hmm. of just going to cold turkey? Right. So I think I think it's good for people to like sit down and write three things that bring them joy besides their phone, you know, like literally three things. So yeah. for me, like I, I literally just dream about a bath every day and I take one every day because I'm lucky that's enough lovely. to that, you know, yeah. but for me, that's what. So and I, I really enjoy healthy solitude and walking every day now. I don't run as much anymore because my body, my knees, yeah. you know, but but so for me, that's like my other just gives me so much peace and joy. And music. I love music. So like, let's say those are my top three. So I tell like, so I always have like a little like, this is my organizer, even though I have my phone. I tell people to get off the phone for the organizing. You could still put like your Zoom, whatever you have planned. But get something like this too, because it gets you off your phone and also gives you an opportunity to like have. So, so I tell people to like those three things I just, you know, said are my non-negotiables. I incorporate them and actually schedule a time for them in my day, every day. Like I, I literally for years, but like, this is why I'm taking a bath between 3.30 and 4 when the kids are at yeah. the park. And I'm, you know, and I'm in the morning, I'm taking my walks because for me, I, I like to exercise in the mornings. And so those things are already scheduled. There's no time for my phone for those those things. You know, like that. Mm-hmm. those, no phones allowed. I mean, I listen to music while I'm walking, but I put it like in my fanny pack. I'm not like scrolling. Yeah. Okay, right. so again, I think if we could start with small steps like that, that mm-hmm. just... And those, let's say those things take up like a half an hour to an hour every day. There's, that's a good chunk of time without the phone. Yeah, I agree. I I feel like we have to make a decision and we're very powerful and we can make, we can decide what we want. But a big piece of this is like, do you feel like you're worth it? So that's what I would leave women with too, is right. And would want to get your closing thoughts on that about like, at Mm -hmm. some point, every time you do pick up the phone, instead of going to take a bath or instead of going on a walk in solitude with nature. I think it's because deep down you feel like you don't deserve that. Right. Yes. And I agree with you. I think it comes down to self-love. It's the foundation for everything in life. And so, like I said, you know, like, do you love yourself enough? This is what I literally tell myself. I'm like, Erica, love yourself enough to go put that down and take a walk. Something that feeds your soul. Like, give yourself that that love. And and I do it then. But I have to, like, it comes always down to self-love. Like, every decision we make is this, I always just say to my clients, like, you could ask yourself, which, like, choice right now is going to be the act of self-love? And always the act of not self-love is the one that I, you know, try to stay away from. But that question alone in and of itself really helps. I totally agree. I think that we just need to have some awareness around it. And I think, too, even with our kids, I say that to them, too. Don't you believe you deserve a clean room? You know, like, a lot of times if, like, the room's getting crazy, it's like, you you don't you think you're worth having a beautiful space to rest at night and yeah. all of these things and it does it just can offer this wonderful new perspective so i implore you women take the time and by by all means fill your toolbox with lots of erica's incredible resources i'm loving 101 affirmations all of the re, the rewired series um are incredible as well and if you need to baby step it, just follow her on Instagram. You can see her doing her solitude walks and it might give you that little reminder that you're worthy of those too. Thanks so much for being a guest today, Erica. I really enjoyed the chat. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.